Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here once again with the last week in mortgage today, our weekly walkthrough, all the latest news, developments, everything going on in the mortgage industry. Each week, I pick one of our lender members to co-host with me. And this week, back in the co-pilot seat, the Mortgage Division President for Centennial Bank, Keith Little. Keith, good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. Thanks for joining us. And uh, let's go ahead and get into it. By now, everybody knows. Uh, feel free to interact, the chat, the Q&A. We'll go ahead and work it into the show. And our podcast listeners always forget to mention at the beginning, give us good reviews, evidently. That helps people find out about the show. And join the live broadcast. We're live every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, go to mortgagecollaborative.com. Click on our event calendar. You just got to register once and you're registered for every week. So let's go ahead and get into it. And Keith, you know, Jane, after a, really a, a tough last year and a brutal fourth quarter, uh, an optimistic tone to the year uh, until we got news that... Uh, about 70, the borrowing costs on about 75% of uh, GSE loans was going to be going up as part of the, I guess it, it shouldn't have been long awaited now that we've got it, but uh, the FHFA's recent loan delivery changes. Let's start there and get your thoughts. Well, I feel like you're trying to get me fired up early. So we, uh, <laughs> we, we Any good host knows how to uh, stir the pot, right? I mean, it's <laughs> like, you know, hey, you know, the four quarters brutal. Um, we get a couple, you know, good weeks of application volume. We're thinking, hey, we might pull this thing out after all. And then they're like, ah, let's just go ahead and, and ruin pricing on everything. I mean, um, I you know, I, I went to school in Arkansas, so I'm probably not the smartest, but it seems like from what I remember, the GSEs were created to add liquidity to the uh, – to the, the secondary market and keep loans from just being held on banks' balance sheets. And somehow in the year 2023, we're going to do the exact opposite and see if we can't push some changes to just push it all back to banks' balance sheets. Because, um, you know, I guess 750 is is bad credit now. You know, 800 is a new 700. Uh, FICO apparently to the agencies. Uh, let's let's add in a DTI adjuster that's going to confuse how we calculate things. and. Uh, you know, I, I thought that the FHFA's main concern right now is affordability. Um, so they decided, yeah, affordability is a concern. Let's make everything less affordable at the same time. And, yeah, and you know, it's it's crazy to me. I, you know, we were talking about this for months and months and months leading up to the release. In no world did I imagine what we would get. I don't think it's what Sandra Thompson or the officials at FHFA wanted. I think it becomes like a a money issue, like go go find the money if you want this, which is really a backwards way to look at it, really, because we have record low delinquencies. We have a super strong job market. Those are the two things, you know, working for a bank, right? To predict payment and delinquency and all that. And you got to make rules that are, I guess, for the future and not today's climate. But again, these delivery fees were initially set many years ago in a much, much different climate. There was much more fraud uh, uh, you know, delinquencies were much higher. Um, and now it just, it seems, it seems kind of nuts. Well, and, and you know, somebody's going to have to fact check me because I haven't done the map, but, you know, we're kind of hearing from people reports of where they're playing around with it, that it's, you know, on average, it's adding at least 20 basis points of cost to, to every loan. Um, so I haven't noticed any uh, lenders reporting extra fat margins right now to where, 
they can absorb that cost. So it's going to get passed through to customers. And I mean, that's just a slap on the face to affordability when you just taxed every every loan. And I mean, um, that, that's great that Home Ready, Home Possible have got the exemption, but it seems like this is really a tax on the average American home buyer. Um, you know, there's some- It really is. is. No, go on, Rob. I, I see some passion. Go on. I was just going to say, like, I, you know, I firmly on the record, like, everybody should be members of MBA. This industry needs MBA because DC hates our industry and we need somebody there with a voice. But it seems like there should be a little bit more fight here. Maybe they should have known about it before. <laughs> I mean, no, I. Yeah, I don't. They kind of seem surprised when I was mentioning, okay, well, what are we doing to lobby against this? Like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, this is this is you know a slap in the face to affordability, and you know, like I said, the the, the low end, um, you know, income tranches. That's great that we're going to give benefit for home ready, home possible. But you know, you've got to be below the average median income to to hit those. So your average income earner is getting the tax, and where's all that money going? Well, I think the GSEs are still paying dividends to Treasury, so it doesn't seem. It doesn't seem fair to tax the average American home buyer um, just to pay a bigger dividend because I don't I haven't seen any, um, you know, any proof of, of how this is helping a risk position. You know, when we started taxing second homes and investment properties, I get there wasn't any political capital and, you know, whining about somebody's beach house costing more money. OK, fine. But I mean, we still taxed investment properties. And I mean, who does that hurt? The people who are not ready to buy. I mean, when you make it more expensive to buy a rental property, it's going to be more expensive to rent that property. Uh, but now this is, you know, you got a seven eighths adjuster on there for a guy with a 745, 750 FICO at 80% LTV purchase. I mean, that's your right down the fairway, Fannie Freddie loan right there. Um, it's kind of hard to explain to customer. Well, you don't get our top tier rate because your FICO is only 750, sir. Um you work get your whole life to save 20% down to put on a home. You work your whole life to get a 750 credit score. And then you find out, oh, that's going to add an additional just point in fees that's going right into the government's pocket. You're buying a $350,000 home, that's $3,500. they are getting it from you one way or the other. Uh, out of your pocket, 750, 20% down. That's nuts. I, I don't I don't get it. I it, I don't I don't understand the risk of that. Okay, if you want to tax it on a cash out refi at a high LTV or something, okay, maybe. But I'm I, I failed to find the default data that makes me think that an eighty percent loan is is risky to someone with what used to be prime credit. If I'm MBA, I'm getting my best marketing people, my top writing people. And I'm penning a white paper about the impact this is having on the American home buyer in very detailed specifics, because nobody is going to give two flips about our industry, the mortgage lenders or anything tied to the financing part of it, Um, you know, and but, you know, the story needs told. And, uh, you know, this is this is not even talking about, as you noted, uh, all the additional fees lopped on to investment properties uh, and second homes. This is not at all mentioning 10 basis points in rate that is still in guarantee fee that's on every American mortgage that goes through the GSEs because of 
some spend it was lopped onto some spending bill like 11 or 12 years ago rob brings it up every single friday on the rundown um so this is above and beyond all that well and i mean you could have you could have sold it better that and just added to the g fee basically and said hey we see <laughs> economic uncertainty coming so we're gonna try to build up the war chest you know at least you could have got behind that instead of what whatever this is it's the enemy we know at least that's the way the gscs have historically kind of you know at least not historically these last 10 to 12 years you know subtle behind the black box increases the guarantee fee uh that kind of pads the coffers but yeah that would have at least been a smarter way to do it you know one thought something that's come up on this show before is this a now we're giving the government too much credit here maybe but a strategic move to push more business to FHA. This will clearly be a result of these fees on some level. And then you know, I kind of dismissed that. But then I saw a column today um, about uh, HUD. It was ridiculous profitability, Ginny May. And we all know that the reserve fund is over five times the legal limit. So maybe that's uh, maybe that's part of this. I mean, it could be, um, but it's like, why would the government want to retain risk when they can offload risk to investors? Um, because maybe, so maybe if they can, if they can, you know, if they can keep building, you know, with the, maybe the, the end goal of, of you know, getting Fannie Freddie out from the government thumb, you know, the thinking, you know, if we, hey, we raise the fees and move more business to FHA, we make more profit. And we can get out from conservatorship earlier. I don't know. I'm throwing. I, I don't know. And I mean, I get that that's a, a a complicated problem to solve, but it sure seems from a profitability standpoint, nobody really wants to solve it. Um, Interesting discussion. Uh, of course, take any thoughts, comments anybody has in the crowd uh, on the impact it's had in your shops. We've been asking past versions of the show. Uh, for people to put in the chat, anonymously, if you want, the percentage of your GSE business that's seen fees increase, any other stats that would be relevant. Um, Keith mentioned just from others, he's talked to maybe a 20 basis point net increase on on GSE loans. And again, Keith, that 620 to 679 bucket where they reduced a lot of the fees. I mean, what's the pull through in that bucket? You know, I mean, it's, I don't, I'm not dismissing it. I think that, you know, they had to they had to make moves there to help affordability for those that need it most in that bucket, but they've hurt affordability for 80% of the people. Yeah. And I think it, like I said, statistically, that's a much smaller portion of the business, um, which is also we're, we're, we're making it cheaper for a riskier credit tranche too, which again, confuses me. Um, so maybe I woke up in an alternate universe where, where everything makes sense to somebody, not to me, but um, it, it seems backwards of what we should be doing. And it's backwards, quite frankly, from these new this new wave of housing leaders, the way they've operated. I mean, they have gone out of their way to seek uh, the input of, uh, you know, people in the industry and, you know, are at every event doing roundtables with lenders and they have their heart in the right place. I You know, I know you know, just from talking to Sandra, like she was, is very passionate about reducing affordability. At the same time, she kind of talks about the dual mandate, right? Safety and soundness of the GSEs and pervert, preserving them and continuing to position them to ultimately get them out from under the government thumb. And I've said this before, I, my guess is what happened here is, is they're going down the pike of, hey, we got to help out 620 
to 679 that, you know, ultimately somebody at Treasury is like, uh, okay, well, go find that money somewhere and go find a little extra just to be safe. Yeah. <laughs> and they were counting the extra maybe investment property and cash out money from. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we've already done that. And, uh, you know, uh, let's let's add a little bit on top. Um, but, you know, it would be different if if the housing market was just guns blazing. You know, this would I, I could have understood it a little bit more a year ago. You know, this time a year ago. OK, but right now it's fragile. A large portion of the economy, you know, comes from housing and it seems like we should be, you know, hey, how about you guys spend your time trying to figure out one of those first time homebuyer tax credits again, like a decade ago. That worked. Um, that did not make things less affordable for everybody. But this just seems to be the opposite of, like you said, what what we've seen recently from, uh, I guess, policy statements, you know, from leadership. And uh, yeah, I get it. It's not a zero sum game, but um, I feel like we had already paid in quite a bit on the, the second home investment property side that uh, we probably didn't need to tax the the average average buyer right down the fairway. This is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative, joined this week by the Mortgage Division President of Centennial Bank, Keith Little. Got some good anonymous feedback in the chat from a lender. It says, we anticipate that these changes may yield a reduction in loan case files receiving an approved eligible recommendation with the most notable reduction on loan case files with high LTV ratios and high DTI ratios when multiple high risk factors are present. Certain loan case files that meet our affordable housing mission initiatives will continue to be excluded from receiving an approved ineligible recommendation due to a combination of product features and risk factors being present. This population includes specific housing goals, eligible loans, loans purchased under various duty to serve initiatives, as well as other loans securing properties that support affordable supply within their market. Great feedback from whoever left that. And Keith, I think this speaks to some other chatter we've just heard throughout the network over the course of the last week or so since this came out. And it's just that there are cases where somebody's rate or cost combination goes down by putting down less money. I've heard that. Yes. I've heard other goofy things that really unintended consequences and unfairly penalize people. Um, so maybe we could see maybe a, a redo or a reset here, um, hopefully, uh, you know, from, from FHFA. Yeah, I'm trying to find out. I've had the... Uh... I've had the Fanny uh, matrix on my phone for you know, whatever ten days. How long we've had it? And yeah, the um, the adjuster. So if you go from an eighty point one to eighty five with a seven forty seven fifty nine FICO, so we'll call you seven fifty FICO. You got a one point adjuster on there. So there's there's MI on that loan, right? Because we're over eighty. Now if you go up to eighty five point one to ninety. Now our adjuster is only three quarters. So you've got credit enhancement on both of these. Why are we incentivizing people to put less money down? And if you look back at the, you know, 708, the biggest indicator default was not FICO. It was down payment. So I, I don't understand that, that logic at all that we're going to incentivize for, and, you know, I get the fact that of, 
of an 81 LTV versus an 80, because now you've, you've effectively got a lower because you've got a credit enhancement with MI at 81%. But I don't understand how 85%, 87% is going to get a better rate than 81. That just makes little sense. It, I mean, we need, that, do, we, do we need two, do we need two GSEs today? I, I don't know. I mean, there's, I guess that's that's one of the factors in this. Does it matter? We, I mean, they're using the same security now. Yeah, commingled securities, LP and DU are pretty much the same. You know, both agencies have naturally kind of, you know, lost people over the years of conservatorship. I would argue and have been arguing, like, why you could save probably gobs of money by consolidating the two GSEs as opposed to you know, going into Joe Homebuyer's pocket. I mean, you know, I get it that, you know, initially they were private or quasi-private institutions that competed with one another. Uh, I remember my early secondary days, there were clear advantages to that. You can negotiate G fee against one another. There was definite advantages than being competitors. But I think even if they're privatized, I, I, I see that being done with guardrails that prevents them from really aggressively competing against each other because of the tales of the past. So why not consolidate the two and save some money? You, you're almost thinking like a private enterprise that's run for profit, Roth. You have to get rid of this thought process there. Yeah. I mean, they they serve the same function. They essentially have um, comparable products across the board. I can't really think of, I mean, you've got certain, certain niches that, you know, maybe you got some of my future employment and, you know, LPA is going to work better than DU or whatnot, but it's like, essentially they're, they're performing the exact same function and, and doing it in a very similar way. So it, it, we got one security. I don't, that seems to be a better way to solve the problem than, than the 20 bit tax on, on everyone. But Not these other it, things that have been put in and things that we know are probably still coming, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't, you know, it's, you know, we talk about the importance of owning a home, the fastest way to build wealth, the importance of home ownership, the importance of uh, affordable housing. And um, yeah, just some things that, that don't really jive with that. I get that it's complex. There's no easy solutions that easier solutions would have consequences. We're probably not thinking about and talking about fully, but you know, I would argue with where housing affordability is like an all-time historic low just seems like a crazy time as we're coming, teetering on the edge of a recession and all this inflation crap to, to do something like this. But, you know, hey, if nobody says anything, nothing's going to get done. So, you know, this this show, post to YouTube in, in an hour, share it, talk about it on LinkedIn. We've got to do it. We've got to do these things. We've got to talk about these things in these industry or we'll get run over. And uh, it's we're dealing with enough leaders like you, Keith. I mean, I can't think of another industry where you just are constantly just pivoting. You know, like you never know what's around the corner, and you have so many, so much is out of your control. Rates and government. It's it's uh, it's never a dull moment. Well, I see somebody else put in that you know one theory is agencies fear high sales prices, and that higher MI coverage, you know, may help cover that. So. Yeah, um, it seems like, okay, we're going to offload the risk to the MI companies, I guess. But again, I could I might buy into this more if, if you were going to use this excess funds to pay for some of the, you know, you're going to build X number of affordable housing units with this money or, you know, 
tell me what, tell me the why behind this to, to help me understand it because a PDF in the email is not really, uh, it's not really helping me understand how we're, how we're getting good out of this by any means. The MI thing, there could be something there in that MI premiums are at all time lows right now. So, you know, one school of thought would be that, you know, if it was a net reduction in the increase, is it still 12% MI on an 85? Oh, don't quote me. God, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we're, we're just throwing throwing yeah. darts here. But let's say it is 12%, maybe you need 13%. And the cost of that with MI companies now is not nearly 20 basis points, um, but something more nominal. So, uh, but, I mean, the MI company. Our good friend Sushi for, for, from National MI, we can we can count on her. Twelve percent in eighty-five. I can't believe yeah. I remembered that. Well, but I mean, look at this. We're an MI company, and uh, you know, they're going to see this happening. They're going to. Yeah. I think those guys look at data, and all of a sudden, if they're getting more loans that look like X than Y, they're going to adjust the pricing on that. So, I mean, this is, you know. It, it's going to come down to the consumer either way. Nobody's nobody's just going to say, "Hey, let's just absorb this loss." I mean, it's it's going to hit the consumers regardless. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's what it's going to take. To your point, we're going to have to. Everybody's going to have to throw this in OB and look and see, you know, or whatever other pricing engines are. If there's other people in the network that that have PPE, but yeah, you got to put it in a test environment and see. Okay, for our average borrower, what how much is this going to cost? And then there's where you get you know, Mortgage Action Alliance out there and let's start talking to elected officials about, do you understand how this change is going to add X number of dollars per month to the, uh, you know, to the mortgage pain of every home buyer? Yeah, I can't believe we've not seen a more forceful reply from MBA. Um, hopefully we'll see that coming. Who knows what's going on behind the scenes? Saul and know they're negotiating with them right now on a Solution that makes more sense, my guess, uh, is they are, but uh, we'll see what happens. And it's kind of a bummer because, I mean, other than that, it was really a very positive positive and optimistic January. We got the Federal Reserve meeting as we speak. They'll make their policy statement tomorrow, most anticipating a 25% increase, uh, which would be a slowdown uh, just based on you know the positive inflation data we've seen. Uh, over the course of these last couple months, pending home sales, new home sales up month over month, the first month in many months, we've seen those numbers reverse course um, and rates continuing to kind of tick down slowly, slowly. It's where are we like 599, 30 year fixed almost like with the quarter point, half point for the best. Yeah, everybody's got discount these days. You know, for a long time, people uh, people didn't even want to pay discount points, and now it's it's kind of a nature of where we're at. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, everybody expects twenty five. I'm not going to be shocked if we see fifty. Personally, um, I mean, I think they they want to make sure they've got they've got the economy completely ground to a pulp before they they let up. Um, I think the devil's going to be in the details, and you know, the announcement, you know, the wording. You know, we've still got a lot of excess, uh, I want to say excess, we've still got, you know, long-term fixed rates are historically above where they have been in relation to the 10-year. So, I mean, if once they stop tightening and at least say, hey, look, we're going to hold put for a while, I think we may see some normalization there. So we might see rates take a little bit lower uh, just because of that. But yeah, I'm not, I won't be shocked. I'm holding out hope for 25, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was 
50, just to prove a point, just because everybody expects 25. And I think Powell's made it clear that he wants to let everybody know that they're making the shots, not the market. So it's a good point. I can, yeah, I can, I haven't really thought about that, but I totally see it because kind of in tune with Powell's tough talk sentiment. And we have had all these good numbers, you know, in a row and, you know, kind of like a subtle message to Americans, like, Hey, you know, stop spending like crazy and stop overpaying for luxury items. And uh, for at least a few more months here, um, we can get over out on the other side of this thing. Yeah. So it, it, I think the announcement will be the uh, most interesting part. Uh, it'd be, be a fun, well, <laughs> not for everybody, but it'd be a fun place to be today and Mark to be in the room and, and listen to that conversation. Today also, I saw this in one of the mortgage newsletters, National Hug and Economist Day. And after this past year, <laughs> how wrong they all were. A lot of economists that need hugs maybe maybe today <laughs> thought, I, thought I'd mention that. But uh, uh, what else in the news? Um, inventory ticked down a little week over week. I, I, you know, I think that we're seeing some signs that you're going to start to see more sellers list their homes when the weather kind of turns here. Uh, what's your just general sentiment, Keith, about like the spring purchase market we have upcoming as it relates to, I guess, general market expectations, which are pretty muted? Well, I mean, if we have a spring purchase market again, it, it we might be back to that that old seasonality that we used to all remember the bell curve. Um, and, you know, Q4 and Q1 were light um, and Q2 and Q3 were the, the hot markets. Um, so I don't know. We've we've seen um, a des- definite increase in in applications, and you know, I, I think prequal requests. I, you know, talking to peers, everybody seems to be seeing the same kind of signs of life the last few weeks. And I, I my personal opinion, I don't know that rates improved that much to spur demand so much as people kind of started realizing, okay, this is this is the new rate environment. We're not going to see a three handle anytime soon. We still wanted to buy a house this year. So let's go ahead and start doing it. Um, I think it's more just acceptance of, of where we're at than it is, you know, that that dip in rate, you know, I don't think that many more people got excited because rates are 25 bits better, but I, you know, maybe it is. And I, you know, I don't know that I need to understand as long as it keeps on going, I'll be okay with it. You had some comments in the chat agreeing with you. And yeah, that's what it seems like. I mean, I think it seems like like there's some borrowers that need 399 instead of 599 to qualify. But those that can afford 599, it seems like, Keith, that they're not like, oh, shit, I got to wait for 499 or something in the threes. Like, I'm I'm good with 599 because it could be seven and a half, three months from now. Maybe everybody knew that, that the GSEs were going to go up and uh, before we did. And so the, you know, the consumer's like, hey, we better do this before they, they tax us more. I don't know. Well, that'll help. I mean, that's what, May 1, as of now, uh, a loan on sales after May 1, right? Yeah. That- so, I mean, you think, that's yeah, smooth. May 1's what it hurts. But, I mean, people are going to have to start putting this in pricing engines at some point in March. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, some people might not activate it till April early, but still, yeah, it's you're right. We got like a month, it's a month or two uh, before every every loan is going to feel these new increases. Um, they qualify for it, but um, interesting. What about just uh, some bank stuff? Centennial Bank, uh, longtime TMC member. I always like to pick the brain of our bank members. Um, portfolio lending. You mentioned it earlier in the show. It's like you know you have this type of climate and. I remember from being in that seat, like it does put a lot of 
stress. You want to, you know, the loan originators just want to oh, just throw everything on the balance sheet, you know, just throw in the portfolio. <laughs> not, not quite that simple, right? It's a, it is an interesting time to be a banker. And I don't know that I'm qualified to, to you know, I think the mortgage is like a deduct on that, that I'm not smart enough to be a banker or just a mortgage banker, but man, um, I, you know, I paid decent attention in econ class and I really don't remember them covering an extended period of short-term rates being exponentially higher than long-term rates. Um, you know, it, it, whatever they do tomorrow, it's going to become less profitable to originate portfolio loans. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the long and the short of it. Um, it's just, I've, I've never seen a yield curve like this and, you know, I, nobody has, it's never happened before, but we've never had, you know, I always thought that, we kept rates artificially low for so long when they did snap back, it was going to be quick. I didn't know it was going to be this quick and this ugly. Um, so I, it's, it's definitely interesting times and there is uh, yeah, I'm afraid we're going to see some banks in trouble this year. Um, you know, it was fun to make loans when you could put them on the books at 3%, but uh, when your cost of funds is 4%, uh, and your loans are yielding year or three or your securities. And then, okay, so you need some cash. What are you going to do? Sell securities. Uh, what are you going to get paid on those securities with a three something, three, four handle on them? Um, so you're going to sell securities at a loss to raise cash. So I think there's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like that. It's never good for, for anybody to be in trouble. Uh, it's never good for the system for any banks to be in trouble. But I think a lot of people, um, they had a lot of fun. Um, and I think they're they're going to have to pay those bills at some point in time, and it's it's unfortunate. Keith, as always, uh, enjoyed the conversation. Appreciate your insight, and uh, this was great, man. Thank you so much for for doing this once again. Let's get some uplifting topics next time. What's the we need to talk I about? I thought we had it. Honestly, all January had been uplifting. I didn't use your switch from like the 17th to the 31st. The 17th show was very positive, but you know, with this FHFA news and you know, so. <laughs> hey, so. hey, uh, apparently we're going to have a national hug your uh, MI rep day. So it's going to be, uh, you know, kick your mortgage banker in the shed and hug an economist uh, week. <laughs> Yeah, and fly Eagles fly. I I, I always I'm picking the, against the Eagles all playoffs. They deserve a lot of credit. Dominating performance and uh, the Chiefs, Mahomes. You got to love Mahomes. Uh, I, I, my my wallet didn't love the outcome of that game, but hard not to <laughs> hard not to like Patty Mahomes. I, I am going to be agnostic and just eat my chicken wings uh, in in bliss <laughs> and uh, be happy with either outcome. <laughs> And to our attendees, thanks as always for joining us. We're here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern with the last week of mortgage today. Find us on podcast, search TMC Connect, and on YouTube about an hour after the live show finishes. Till next Tuesday, have a great rest of the week, everyone. Thanks again, Keith. Thanks, Sam. Take care, everyone. <clears throat> for more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.